Hello, and welcome to Out in the Woods. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm your host, JD, and today we have the first back-to-back double feature round two guest, Nico Sorinello. Nico, how the hell are you? I'm good, I'm good. I did not expect to be back on so so quickly. Well, the, the audience wants what the audience wants, Nico. Rave reviews that's true, are that's just true. pouring in. I've had sponsorship opportunities line up because of you. So basically, I'm about to retire, and you and I are going to carry this podcast game through the, through the end of time here. Hey, I got a few texts from uh, our last episode, so... Hopefully they weren't too many. Um, I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You didn't. No, if you knew who they came from. <laughs> oh boy. Thanks. My my uh, <laughs> my imagination is only racing. So we talked very briefly before this. Um, this was not originally planned, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but Nico is a real trooper, and he came on. I had. A, I listened to a wonderful podcast yesterday called um, No Dumb Questions, and it was why is silver worth something or, or why is silver valuable, something like that. And they, they went into this whole discussion about um, various currencies and value and stuff. And then a lot of stuff started lining up that I just, I was like, you know, I think this would be a good topic. And I was supposed to have a few different people on, and we went through the ranks and Nico rose to the challenge, and this is going to be, I think, a great person to have for this discussion. Um, why? Well, because Nico knows his dollars. He understands money far better than I do. Is that is that a correct statement? It's a reach. I mean, one of us but. is a finance major. <laughs> I, I did take finance uh, three times in college. Not different classes just the same <laughs> class but uh you you actually are a finance major and and of course when people think of money they think of or when, when they think of value they think of money so who better than nico that's true i guess we talked a Should little bit on jerome powell i don't wait who's that the uh federal reserve chairman you know i actually texted him and he was busy um so I, you know, I would have liked to, but Makes sense. you know, second pick is not bad. Not bad. We talked right. a little bit about um, if you, if everyone listened to the last episode, then they'll know this. But if not, they should go listen to it. But we talked a little bit about Bitcoin last week, and you said that the reason that it's not going to be a currency, at least right now, is because of its instability. Is that is that still a right. fair assessment? Have has your view changed in a week? No, I mean, actually, I mean, it's still a lot more volatile than any inflation could be. Well, I say that, but then you look at Venezuela and Venezuela's currency died in a very short amount of time. But that was due to some some legal issues in their country. So would you say that, I mean... Because Venezuela, it seemed like kind of a one-way ticket. Like, it seems like now there's going to be a, a, a lot of work that needs to be done to lower that or to bring the value back. So would you say that Bitcoin almost has, or even other cryptocurrencies with their volatility, have kind of an advantage in the fact that 
you know, they can rebound from drops? Uh, no, I would still call it a disadvantage. I, there was a, uh, there was a president, I think of somewhere in Central America. I want to say Costa Rica, but it could have been Honduras or somewhere. He had invested a lot of money, like government money into Bitcoin right before it crashed. And they like lost (laughs) millions of dollars. For no reason, (laughs) on an investment, essentially. So, again, there's like an example of why I don't think it could be a proper currency. But did they need to sell then? I mean, could they have waited till it goes back up? Uh, I don't think they still have sold, but I still think they're at a loss. Unfortunate. Unfortunate indeed. So with this, though, I mean, we could talk about crypto and and actual, you know, dollars and everything like that all day long. But what I think is becoming very interesting, especially in recent years with like the pandemic, is the volatility of the value of certain items. I mean, toilet paper is a prime example of this, where, you know, everyone has this perceived demand and the value shoots sky high, and then you're paying, you know, 60 bucks for a pack of toilet paper, and I Amazon was basically price gouging. I don't know if they ever got in trouble for it. But, you know, things like that happen. So, what? How, I mean, how do you... Who sets the tone for that? I mean, how does something like that happen? For, inf- for, for inflation? No, for... Essentially? For, well, if you would... I mean, toilet paper was an extremely high demand. So would you consider that inflation or just a, you know, basics of economics? I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, really. Okay, can you repeat the question? I apologize. No, you're good. Like, we we have all these, you know, dollars and Bitcoin and everything like that and all their volatility, but those are still currencies, you know, or, or a form of... of money but then like in the in the recent pandemic um like toilet paper the value of it skyrocketed because no one could get it toilet paper and water and canned goods and stuff like that like how how do you where does that come from how do you account for that oh i would i would i would simply say that's just supply and demand i mean you have to think like because Obviously, toilet paper was more in demand during the pandemic. But and there wasn't a kind reason of an essential good. There wasn't a reason for it, though. Really. Well, I mean, I guess the reasoning was, and I think this is going back on like last episode, but I think this is kind of a older person mindset of like not necessarily like it's doomsday but they don't know when the lockdown was going to end Mm -hmm. and so that generation would rather have like abundance than like five packs you know what i'm saying yeah yeah but i just i don't understand uh, you know realistically how much toilet paper does one person go through even if you have a big family and it's not like covid made you just shit your brains out all day (laughs) 
Well, that's what I'm saying. I didn't even buy toilet paper. I had what I had, and it was fine. That's, that's what I, yes. I don't think I, re- I didn't even know. So, I mean, but for yeah, large, I don't know. I, I, a large portion of, I think, the world, I think this was not just in the States, but, like, toilet paper was the item to go and buy. And there wasn't a reason for it. I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't add up. So I'm curious just because there's no reason for that, but the value shot up. So like I'm, I'm looking at two tags from some shirts that my mom just got for me. The original price of these shirts were $68. Both of them have multiple marked on tags. One of them ended up going for $34 and the other one 17. So there's still technically a $68 shirt, but no one was buying them. Well, that's, that's, that's like, yeah, exactly. No one was, that's kind of a clearance, you know? So. It just doesn't make sense. Like how, you know, is it, is it that bad for the company to hold on to these shirts and sell them for their $68? Or are they really Yes, because them? it's more of a time, I would say it's more of a time thing where they're still making a fairly good profit margin on $34. I don't know about 17 probably. Let's be honest. They mark up this stuff like incredibly high. So like it's better for them to just get these all out mm-hmm. and then get new like like uh, turnover of uh, in- inventory essentially in to keep it going. And not only that, but by putting that discount on it, you think it's cheaper now. So you're more inclined to buy it. What is cheap? So it works out. Exactly. But that's like, I believe that's like a marketing tool is to mark something like exponentially high. So when you market at the actual price that you want to sell it for, Mm -hmm. people think it's on sale. Mm. I I see that a lot. Well, it worked in this case. But is that not still the value of that shirt though? At least to the business. I, I, I would say the, I mean, the value of the shirt is whatever they're making on it. So I would say more, more so it's their profit margin, which you would have to see how much that it costs to make. But again, though, I think there's this bit of demand. And this is what I'm kind of starting to circle back. But uh, like, if I had no shirts and this was my only option, I'm gonna pay that sixty-eight dollars. You could find cheaper shirts, mate. But if like, if I had no clothes and I needed a shirt and that was it, that's it. You know, like I have to pay that sixty-eight dollars unless I just want to walk around. Yeah, but that's like that's a. That's a very specific instance where it's it's like that's like at an airport essentially where you don't have any other options for food except the food at the airport and people need to eat. So that's why airport food is so expensive. 
I mean, that's like one of those situations. But, but, it's, I mean, what what's the difference, though, between, like, that and someone who maybe ran out of toilet paper and ended up paying $30, $40 for a pack of toilet paper? Like, they still need it, you know? You mean you could always use tissues? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Ridiculous. You're not helping me out at all here. I, I'm just, I'm just saying that, like, legitimately, that... I think it was overworked in the aspect of these boomers who thought that toilet paper was, they were going to be locked up for over a year, so they would need loads amounts of toilet paper. I don't know, I don't know how much, like, a pack of toilet paper, like, the average amount of time that lasts, but, yeah, I'm not surprised that boomers thought, like, it wouldn't last that long, so they bought three packs... And then decided, you know, and then if all of them are doing that, obviously it's going to go out of stock. And that uh, that just, that by it going out of stock, that obviously means demand's up and then surprise goes up on it because you can't get it. Well, then other people see that too. Right, exactly. And then So it's like a perceived value. Yeah, and then, I mean, I would say America has this weird thing of... See monkey, see monkey do, and so I probably just caught on, hmm. Hmm. which I, is a lot easier to do in social in social media. Kind of, are you are you leaning towards like like trending and and stuff like that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's not necessarily. I do agree with that, but that's not necessarily like a, a demand thing. That's just more of a. a I don't know, a trend. What? I mean, do you remember that trend? Like, it was, I think, sophomore year of our college where those, was it like, those, it was like some kind of like drink, alcoholic drink. Like, was like blowing up. Noah would know the answer to this question because he drank it with me. It was like blowing up on social media. Saying like it got you like super drunk really fast. Cacti juice. And so like, it no cacti cacti was no that was senior year. Oh. This was like sophomore. It was like some kind of ah. Uh, I think it was like some sparkling wine or something. I forget. Like Trulies. But no, it wasn't. That's 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 a a uh. A you know, no. Yeah, it was not a seltzer. It was something weird. I I don't even remember the name, but yeah, like the demand went through the roof because it blew up on social media, and it wasn't. It was one of the worst drinks I've had. It was awful, not worth. But I bought one. <laughs> did you Did you get a good buzz? Uh, honestly, no. I think. I think that was someone else who ended up dying, not me. I did, oh. It just didn't taste good, so I really didn't drink much of it. Interesting. Interesting. But these, I think these trends kind of go into other things. I, I was talking with Tanner the other day um, about having to fix my axe and, like, how much I actually use it. And uh, he was like, why don't you just use a chainsaw? And I told him, I was like, I am legitimately faster limbing trees. So whenever the trees come down at the ranch, got to cut off all the limbs so you can 
get into even like the thicker branches. Um, there's just a lot of like little brush that needs to be cleared. And doing that with the chainsaw works, but an axe is legitimately faster. I guess this is like a smaller axe. So me, my perceived value for that $120 axe is much higher than that. I would be more willing to pay that $120. And Tanner, on the other hand, had a much lower perceived value. And I don't know if that is just, you know, time and maybe the idea that, oh, modern tools are better or things like that. But there was a difference in perceived value. Right. <clears throat> I, th and, uh, I mean, that I think I think companies will market items and products at the perceived value of most of the most demand that they're going to get for that product. Well, you think that just so they kind of maximize their profit? Yes. Hit the hit the nail on the head, so to speak, with the supply and demand curve. I mean, <clears throat> because I think like an example for this is like an Xbox game. Like most Xbox games are like sixty dollars, mm -hmm. and someone's gonna buy it and play it once a week, and someone else is gonna buy it and b play it five hours a day. And regardless, someone obviously has a higher perceived value of that game, and so mm -hmm. they play it more, but they both bought it at the same price. So there's like an optimal yeah. optimal price in where both perceived values compromise and will agree to purchasing that product, I think. I am kind of happy you brought up games because I'm curious your thought of... I mean, because it's, it's the same if you buy a physical copy as it is online, right? Um, like, you can buy digital copies of games. Yes. Uh, the, uh, I think... I, th I think the, like, physical copies, like the discs, I think yeah. they're easier to download because it's an actual disc mm -hmm. and not through wi-fi but, but the I don't, price is the same i don't right? know prices are the same so then you know they're making more money on digital downloads and it's more convenient for the consumer even though it might take a little longer to download but the seller has less cost in manufacturing the the disc in the case whatever you know that cost is probably insignificant but they also don't have to deal with shipping. They don't have to deal with holding it in the store. They don't have to deal with That's all of these point. things. And then they're still charging the same amount. Yeah, I never, I never actually thought about the amount of costs that they basically got rid of by having all the games digitalized. Well, and, you know, if you... I don't know how well this works, but, like, if... You know, I would assume on disc games, you can transfer those over to different boxes different console or not technically but you still can't play the game without the disc yes even after you download it yes but on a digital copy you need to like log into your account on a you know a new device or whatever but if you wanted to go over well, to I mean, your friend's house and play you could be like oh i'll just bring over you know black ops 2 or whatever whatever 
was last well there is actually this there is this thing called game sharing so if you it xbox lets you sign into up to two xboxes and so basically everyone exploits this so i have noah's account signed in on mine and i'm signing in noah's so every game that noah gets i also get so then we just buy games together and then split the cost that's pretty good that's pretty good that's probably uh I, 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 that's probably where all of their shipping costs and everything like that go yeah <laughs> so but you know video games i would say they devalue pretty quickly similar to like um, iphone or consoles you know I, I i would agree with you except there is this i just saw this guy on tiktok and he so he essentially sells older consoles like all older consoles older games like all older everything like everything pete pre-2012 essentially like when i say older consoles like Wii's too and like yeah. Wii Sports Resort you there's Wii Sports Resort right now John David is selling for like over a hundred dollars I'm not even joking see but and that's like why I, there's a demand for it there is a high demand for Wii Sports Resort because we passed this phase of oh the Wii sucks and now everyone who like thinks about it is thinks about playing it as like a child and like it brings back good memories so there's this perceived value of like the good times mm -hmm. so the demand for it just spiked like hell like it is an expensive nostalgia. game right now yes i mean he this guy sells like a wee for like he like and like people like roast him in the comments but like he over He's selling these things like so overpriced, but people are willing to buy it, and it's amazing to me. We that just sold our are Wii to... and like a fat stack of games, and like Guitar Hero and like a drum set and guitars and stuff, like all of that for like a hundred bucks. So yeah, I think we might have missed out. We do still have the I mean, original this guy... Xbox though. I had never had an Xbox. Well, come out to the ranch. I hooked up Underground Racing 2, and it is a blast. <laughs> what the heck is that? It is an incredible game on the Xbox. You just got, you just got to come out and play. So oh, I'm, wondering, were... I'm wondering because you said that um, like Wii Resort and stuff and the Wii, we're, we're past that point where it's like, oh, this is a garbage console, but now we're kind of moving into that nostalgia. And then, I mean... Maybe I'm just getting older faster than I think I am, but that seems like a pretty quick turnaround considering, you know, the length of time for things like film to really come back or vinyls. Right. Well, I would say I would say that we is just resurging now. Um, part of the part of the part of the reason for that is probably because the the they came out with the Wii after the Wii. Was it the Wii U? I don't know. I don't keep the, up with the Wiis. Maybe. That was like a, a major bust. Like nobody liked it or something. It was. So oh I think yeah, that was no, part right. of the issue. You're right. Yeah. So that was part of the reason. Um, but I mean, when I meant like nostalgia, I like a lot of it is still like Nintendo 64s and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
But I mean, I saw a guy who bought an Xbox though. What college like age person or, or our generation doesn't love playing Mario Kart? Really? I mean, like you're you're just not gonna find. I feel like that's a very universally loved game, and everyone's getting rid of their Wii's, and now people are trying to get them back. Like that return for, I I would call it nostalgia, happened a lot quicker than for things like, you know, like film and vinyls. Well, because we, I think this goes back to last episode, our generation doesn't want to grow up and go be adults and work nine mm-hmm. to fives. That's that's understandable. It's understandable. <clears throat> So the value in that kind of security of a nine to five, I'm trying to keep this all in the in the subject of value, because I think it's a really interesting thing that very much depends on the individual, the state of things. Because like if if shit hits the fan, that we is going to be worthless, basically. Mm-hmm. The toilet paper is probably going to be worth something. My, yeah, I that's think, the state of the world, though. Yes. But... So, yeah, values do change. I mean, money's worthless at that point. But would you still consider, like, a gold or silver as a universally accepted currency? I think if, like... If we're talking, like, a, like an apocalypse... Yes. I would say no. Until, like, things stabilize. Like, I think legitimately, like, in a place like that like things that are essential to living it's the only forms of payment essentially food mm-hmm. toilet paper clothes so then a car could be probably worthless would you consider could do you think in that situation that like ammo would become a currency yes a hundred percent like that's why it's called a shot of whiskey did you know that because it's payment it whenever there was a, a period of time back in the olden cowboy days where it was one round of like Colt 45 or something like that was like that was the equivalent to a shot of whiskey or that fluid that amount of whiskey so instead of saying like I don't know whatever it was a penny or something back then you would give them a bullet and then they could turn around and sell that bullet for you know, the same value as that whiskey. So it was called a shot. I see. <clears throat> Interesting. I did not know that. I think, trying to stay on your topic, I think the best way to look at prime examples of perceived value is looking at vehicles and what people buy for cars for themselves. Because I think that highlights the differences and perceived values on certain vehicles. What do you mean by that? I think I get where you're going, but I'm what saying, do you mean? Like, for example, a truck, most people, especially in Texas, have this very high perceived value on a truck to, like, with its usage and necessity and, like, certain aspects, but I don't at all. Like, I would not... I have, like, no value for a truck. I would barely use it for what it's for. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like the way, looking at people and how they view vehicles that they purchase is a really good way of 
examples of showing examples of the perceived value like in mm-hmm. in purchasing things so they're they're not going to spend you know fifty thousand dollars on a pickup if they have you know five kids six kids and right. they don't ever like that's haul another thing around yeah that's another situational one yeah i mean i think i think vehicles are super situational because you need one for work you need something that you could drive to work most of the time if you don't have a work vehicle and then something that like most people that also can accommodate your family mm-hmm. and everyone has a different family situation so i mean like that that can change from a pickup to a van you know yeah or so. even even a, a motorcycle and kind of the extreme end of like I'm using this yes. for me to get around town. Exactly. That's really interesting. I I hadn't thought about that. One thing that I was thinking about a little bit, and I guess this kind of ties in with like luxury cars, are watches. Like yes. The the cost of well. a Rolex or an Omega, <laughs> I would say that most of that is tied to the brand i i would disagree (laughs) why i would say some of the value because these i will say these watches are they're all handmade and they're all they're all like the way they tell time is so accurate there's a reason why they're so expensive and i know in like the grand scheme of things that's not a huge deal if like watches are off by a second but I think Noah gave me the number a few weeks ago. These watches tell time like perfectly, super accurately, accurate for a very long time. And but so, like that, digital, that like a digital watch not do that. No, I mean, well, the thing, another thing with the Rolex though is they're not battery. They're not on a battery. They they are. Um, what's the word? Like wound. The more you wear it, yeah. The more you wear it too, it charges it. So, yeah. And so that I think definitely is part of the reason why they're so expensive. Um, there is definitely a brand I would agree with you, but I think that goes more into watches like Richard Milley than Rolex and Omega. See, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know Richard Milley. They are like a hundred k. Because you, the, so all, even the only with- people. Well, you continue, because I'm, I'm curious to hear about... Uh, the only people I've ever seen wearing Richard Milley is, like, uh, s- mostly athletes, and they're all celebrities. So, like, Odell Beckham Jr., uh, a lot of Formula One drivers, and that's it. I mean, I don't even think the watches look that nice, but uh, they sponsor a lot of athletes. Hmm. Interesting. Because you have to assume at some point, like, yes, they are using you would assume nicer materials and yes there is that level of handmade so you know they're not pumped out on a machine so you you have to pay the guy that makes them you know you got to pay to get all the resources so there's value in all of that but if everyone's paid at the end of the day and you know the company's still making profit like how much over are they charging for a watch than what they I guess need to so to speak like how much of that is is charging to keep up this idea of a luxury brand i you'd have to look at i don't i don't know their 
profit margin, but I'm sure we could find it real quick. Hmm. I mean, but like, I know, I know that Rolex, they actually have like no supply of watches. They because no, there not as many people are buying them. So if you go into a Rolex store right now, you could find a watch you want in like the catalog, but there's a very high chance that the store will not have that model, and you're gonna have to wait on it. Is that um, their supply is super down? Okay, I didn't know if that was a supply or a demand issue. Uh, it's a combination of both. There's they have so many models now that it's kind of worthless to just produce everything since mm. they're so expensive and then not sell them. So they'd rather wait and get an order for something. Um, but Noah was saying that they. I mean, like a Rolex is a sound investment because they discontinue their models. Right. I I would agree with that. My dad's my dad's Omega actually. He bought for like twenty five hundred or three thousand in the nineties and he could sell that watch right now for over twenty five thousand. So it, it, it they do appreciate. That is pretty um, good. That's a pretty good I would argue Omega's there. I would argue Omegas are better than Rolexes. But Omegas uh, almost don't have the same brand recognition, though. That's the big difference. And I think that's... A lot of people who don't know watches don't really hear about Omega as much. And so they automatically assume Rolex is superior. When rea realistically, they, they're basically equals. But Omega has... Omega's been getting higher demand and they have a higher supply of watches in stores. So they've been doing a lot better. This is kind of interesting because a watch is, is such a familiar object to people. It's, it is, um, it does have this kind of level of intimacy in something that it, you know, it's something that you wear. And I think a lot of people get specific styles because it reflects them, you know, unless you're dealing or unless you're just going out and buying a watch just to flex it, which I think people can kind of see that maybe, but you know, in my world of, of knives, like most people do not use a knife in their daily life. I would say, you know, maybe one or two people in a family and that's because they're prepping dinner. And even then I think that might be a stretch, but then you slim it down to, okay, are these people buying a, $20 Victoria Knox um, like Swiss Army knife equivalent of a chef's knife at Walmart or are they going to go out and get you know a set of Cutco knives that are like $120 each you know and then you go into the custom mm -hmm. world and you're reaching I mean I know makers that are selling chef's knives for five or six grand a piece and they do have a demand there for them but this is something that I, I talked with uh, Stephen Brady a few episodes back about is how do you educate the consumer enough to value your knives at the point that they are priced? And I'm not saying, like, I'm not asking you, but that's kind of what our discussion was. Mm hmm. Don't you just have to reach a, a, a higher market? A uh, higher, yeah, basically a higher priced market of demand of consumers. Yes, but I mean, how? Like, is that, 
obviously it's well, going to be through I think name recognition. I would I would compare it to like photography, like my sister's photography business, going from high school, high school, uh, for like graduation photos to college graduation photos to now exclusively doing only weddings. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a jump there, obviously, and a, a pretty substantial jump. Uh, and it, I don't really know how it came, but I feel like that's like the same kind of thing that needs to happen. If you, it is this kind of progression, I guess. Yes. You know, you you, I, I would say that she has established a name for herself, and certainly these these makers that are charging insane price points for their knives and getting them at that point um, have, you know, they've been at it for a couple of years at least, and they have worked hard to establish their name. But it seems like there's no clear-cut way to establish value as an individual other than just putting what about time, these maybe. does does going to what if you produce such a like high quality knife and then go to the like go to one of those knife conventions would you not get recognition for that yes but that's like, like i'm curious yeah but so you will you will but in the end you know you can buy a table and Say like Atlanta, there's roughly eight to ten thousand people that go to that thing. I mean, there's a lot of people that just attend. Of those, we'll say ten thousand, just for simplicity's sake. Maybe only, you know, three thousand are really gonna see your table, and even less than that, like I would say, a significantly less amount are gonna stop and actually look, and then even less are gonna stop and talk to you about them and really inspect the knife. So you're dealing, like, even going and, you know, putting in the work, you're getting a pretty small return. Now, granted, those are kind of, you're, you're getting that level of, you're reaching the level of customer that you're wanting and those few people, and that's kind of all it takes. But, you know, you don't become a household name with 20 people. Mm-hmm. I see. It just seems like time is kind of the answer for that. Similarly with I like would say Rolex or Grand Force Brooks, the axe manufacturer. Like they, they are a reputable brand that has been around well, and bo- been doing quality work for a long time. I would say I would say marketing plays a heavy tie into that as well, especially looking at Rolex. I think something Rolex did superbly well is their marketing. Everyone knows their name mm-hmm. now. And so, to be quite honest, not a lot of people realize that perhaps Omega does make a better watch now because of how advertised and marketed Rolexes are. So, I mean, you could you could market. I mean, it's hard, obviously, being just you and, and what you do. But, I mean, I see guy, I see people on TikTok who, like, do at home businesses that end up blowing up and getting a ton of orders mm-hmm. i mean there's I've, there's got to be a way to reach a broader audience well i do know this is you know, maybe getting off topic a little bit when i post because i i used to do welding projects as well and whenever i would post multiple knives in a row on instagram i would notice that not only the like the likes and the comments but you can see how many people actually see your post. 
that number would tank if I posted multiple knives. But if I just did welding projects or, or things like that, then I would see an increase and then a dip whenever I would post a knife. And like how many people actually saw it, not even a level of engagement, but how many people actually saw it. And mm -hmm. so it's, you know, you can say, oh, it's the algorithm, which I do think it actually might be, you know, kind of a, a unwillingness to promote something that's associated with violence, which I think is very stupid. I think, I actually think the Instagram algorithm is, is kind of based over quantity. I feel like people who post more, they show up less on my feed. Post more, show up less? As in, like, if they post, like, three times a week, I'm only going to see, like, one of those posts. And that's going to be random. And then that's random for all their followers. Compared to someone who posts once a month, I'll probably see that post every time they post it. Mm -hmm. So you're saying it's, like, it's the more opportunities you give someone to miss, they're going to miss basically yes and with the, the way the instagram works now i would i would say that it's not all time i know it's more it's more chronological it's like kind of chronological but not not a hundred percent i think you know that yourself yeah the the deal with chronological now is um you have to favorite accounts and then you have a separate feed that is strictly time-based based on the accounts that you have favorited that's that's just so dumb. I agree. I agree. like I'll get on Instagram tonight and like a photo and then realize that they posted this like four days ago and the post above it is like from twelve hours ago. It's very confusing. I just wonder why they did that. Twitter did the same thing. It doesn't make sense. It genuinely doesn't make sense because it seems like in but, that kind of industry relevancy and like you know getting things out kind of quick and producing is what sells yeah like for example I, I i think twitter did it as like just in case like if you want to see what you missed mm. like like i have a post i'm scrolling right now this one's from 17 hours ago and it's probably because i was liking a lot of posts with elon musk mentioned but then the one underneath it's from four hours ago. So it does it does kind of cater to what you like and interact with. I mean, TikTok's the worst at that. If you like or comment on a post from a creator, you're going to get them again very quickly. I understand kind of why they do that. But on a personal level, I really despise it. Because, like, I don't, like, if I'm following someone and I end up not liking their content, I'm just going to unfollow them, you know, or I'm, you know, right. like show me the post and then I'll make that decision. I have enough brain power to do that. You know, mm -hmm. I have no value for the algorithm. <laughs> well, TikTok does give you an option. If like someone keeps coming up and you don't want to see them, you can click on, they have a button that says, I'm not interested in this content. They, they do that on, get them again on Instagram too. Like if you're looking through reels, you can say not interested. Um, and then sometimes I get suggested posts in my feed and I always, you can hide those uh -huh. for 30 days. And so I always just hide them for 30 days. It's Makes like, sense. I understand having a discover page, but if I'm following yes. people, 
I want to see I, what they're doing or what they're posting as I am going through the day. I don't want to see something that happened five my, days ago. But, like, an example is, like, my Discover page is so scuffed now because of what I've interacted with. Mm-hmm. It's all Ford Broncos, Formula <laughs> One, and German short-haired pointers. Like, that's literally every single post. That's all I see on here. I just, I, I honestly, because, but now you're, realistically, the the company, i.e., you know, Twitter or, or Instagram or TikTok, is almost kind of shooting themselves in the foot, as well as, because they, well, they're not going to show you now random things. You know, like they they have your interest dialed, and so that's what they're going to show you. And so your ability to, it's almost like Spotify. You know, whenever you start listening to a bunch of bands that are kind of similar, and then all of your suggested playlists are just the same music in different orders. You know, I've actually I don't explore my suggested that much, so whenever I do, it's usually pretty pretty good for me. Interesting. To be fair. Cause like if I'm I've gonna, never had any complaints. If I'm going to listen to like the Discover Weekly or something, I don't want it to be half a dozen songs that I've heard. You know? I, I, that's not my case. Interesting. Okay. Well, maybe Spotify just hates me. <laughs> Still know. better than Apple Music. Still better than Apple Music. That's another... Oh, so and I've used, I've oh. used both. Really? Yeah, I used Apple Music for half a year mm-hmm. in high school because I got it was like it was like I think it was three months for like the price of one month. Oh, that's so I figured good. why not because I couldn't get this student discount on Spotify yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did it, and it's just I think it's more aesthetically pleasing, but to find stuff and organize stuff, it was awful. It was so difficult. The only thing I, the only thing I thought they did better was on playlist. It showed the album cover next to the song name, but now Spotify does that. So. Yeah, I I mean the way I've always explained it to people and why I like Spotify, is it is a music app designed by a company that wanted to make a music app. Apple Music is a music app designed by. A phone maker or a, a tech company you know well would you compare netflix and disney plus the same way um yes i would i would now personally i don't use either of them um so i don't know i don't really have any effect or uh well, opinion netflix on has, their you know interface netflix has changed their policies essentially and their stock price reflected that this week or last week. I feel like so, everyone's taken taken hits now. Uh, Netflix took like a forty percent hit. Disney's down a lot with all of their stuff that's going on. Yep. Gotta love it. It's a bad time. Bad time to be woke. Well, the value that they supply as a company is not based on political views. I mean, Twitter's up because Elon bought it. I was gonna ask, what is what is what happens to 
you know, Joe Blow like you and I for having shares. He bought them out. So if you um, owned Twitter, you just get the amount that it was worth. No, he bought it at an up price. So when he, I don't know exactly. I don't know if it works for when they close the deal, if it was for that price. And I also don't know if he bought every single share mm. um, or just majority. Um, but he, the stock price, like for example, the stock price right now is $50, but he, he upcharged it and said he would buy each share at 54 to give them a reason to buy him out. Interesting. And that's why everyone was upset when the board of directors originally said no, because they didn't have the best interests of the shareholders in mind, because they would have gotten more money. More money, yeah. Which is, I feel like, the kind of the point of a publicly traded company. Exactly. The board of directors is supposed to have the shareholders' best interests in mind, which well, obviously was not the case. Heard that one before. Quite often. Interesting. I think there's a lot here, and I, I, I think this topic of, of value, both perceived and monetary and, and you know, the value of, of, like, minerals, as they were saying, you know, like, the gold in your watch or something like that, as they were saying in the other podcast, I think that there's a lot that can be kind of, you're breathing really heavy. Are you okay? You have Sorry. Heart yeah, I'm okay. Okay. I was Again, trying to make no. sure you're okay. I just wanted to make sure you're okay. I just think that there's a lot here that people don't think about. Because then you start thinking about, like, time. And, you know, maybe spending time on Instagram or YouTube or stuff. Like, sure, you may be watching a cooking video for the dinner that you're making. In that case, that would be, a, you know, a value, like a, a high-value way to spend your time. Like, your time interacting with that website is directly inf affecting like what you're doing at that moment and you have a meal at the end of it like there's a lot of value to that but if i'm going to sit on the couch and just scroll through instagram or tiktok or whatever like there is almost no value in that really i guess you could argue that i mean but that's how that's how a lot of people do spend their time do you think that, I mean, do you think that that is a valuable, like a, a, a accurately valuing, uh, do you think that's a valuable way to spend your time? No. But people do it. Not really. Yes. Hmm. I don't know. It's just the way life is now. I mean... What if when people come home from work, what do you think is their best use of their time? Leisure activities. And and I say that I say that with a grain of salt in the fact that I do not think that like sitting on your phone is a leisurely activity. I think people But reading miss, is? I would um, yeah, I think like in, uh, this is so hard. 
I think that your phones or our phones or, or screens in general, things like that are designed to, I don't want to say trap, but trap you. Make you spend more time on them. I mean, the colors, the way that the, the scrolling is set up, things like that, the, the, you know, maybe that is why the algorithm is the way it is, showing you know, old stuff, basically. You know, because it's hiding some of the content. So whenever you're there, it can just kind of trickle out a stream. But I think I listened to a, a, it was like a live podcast, I don't know, um, about, you know, keeping Sundays holy, keeping the Sabbath as a rest day. And they were like, a leisure activity doesn't have to be a restful activity. The guy was like, I enjoy going out and like splitting a little bit of firewood. He's like, I don't need to do that. I can happily just go buy firewood or, you know, I can pay someone to do it or things like that. But it's like, I enjoy just being out there and splitting some firewood or sitting down with a nice cigar and, a, 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 you know, a scotch or something like that, whatever. I think that those activities require this sense of mindlessness that people think they are getting from their screens. And I don't think they are. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that things like that, like 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 Instagram or movies or stuff like that, actually is a sense of rest, or is is you actually resting or being leisurely? Personally, interesting. I don't know. I just kind of got into like the whole cinema realm. When I catch up on some movies. See, but in that case, in that case, would you say that you are watching your movies with a purpose? Yes. And it is something that you truly enjoy doing, right? I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you are, like, how often do you scroll on TikTok and fully appreciate either the TikToks, you know, like think about um, them and enjoy them or talk about them with people. More often than you would probably think, hmm. uh, because I mean, I do, well, personally, I do follow some informative TikToks, whether it's like MacBook hacks or like just kind of news I do have those accounts on my TikTok feed. But when you get on TikTok, is that something that you're purposefully... Ooh, sorry, just purpose. Is that something that you're, like, looking for, or is that something that just comes up? No, that's what I go on Twitter for, usually. Hmm. <clears throat> News-wise. I, I... It's just kind of a weird... I think it's a lot of personal opinions, obviously. You know, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one, and mine's the only one that doesn't stink. But I think that people are mistaking leisure time with, I'm going to veg out on the couch and not think about anything. Like, that is a very poor way of spending time. If that's what you want to do, go for it. But no one is benefiting from that, really. I mean... Mm -hmm. I would, I would agree, or I would say. I don't know if you agree or not. 
You don't have to, but... Well, I, personally, I don't really know of much other things, like, for me, right now, that I could do. I mean, I guess I could go out, but I don't know exactly where I'd go or what I would do. Well, what do you enjoy doing? Uh... Hanging out with friends. <laughs> which I don't have any here. Well... But that's like that's why you play Xbox. I guess so. A sense of camaraderie. But I still I like I still like don't I'd rather be doing other stuff, but it's I just don't really have the option. That's why I wanna move Move to Coleman. I could be more around be more around my peers. Makes sense. There's not a lot of peers in Coleman. Oh, no. These birds are getting it on. Speaking of peers. Ah. Uh. Tis the season. Well, hmm. I don't know. We kind of got on a little tangent there, or I kind of got on a tangent about... I'm, I have a distaste for social media, personally. I don't know how you feel about that. but I see that. It got a little carried away there at the end. I think we had a pretty solid discussion in the beginning. Do you have any other thoughts on values? Well, I think social media is still useful. I think it's overused, but I still think it has a purpose. So our perceived value is greater than its actual value. Yes. Not to say that its actual value is nothing, but interesting. I think that's a good way of putting it. That might have been the, the best thing that's been said all, all podcast. I think that's great. Perhaps. Do you have anything? Any I mean, like, going back to watches, I would say, like, Noah and I's perceived value of watches is probably substantially higher than the average public's perceived value of them. And mine with knives. Exactly. I think that's a good example. Hmm. Is that why you think we have you know, a standard currency. I mean, obviously, there's there's a way to... It just makes transactions easier. But is it kind of a, a level playing field for perceived values? I mean, yeah. I mean, with the especially in a free market, I mean, you can make a, you can make a basic chair for $30 and sell it to someone who doesn't care. You can make a multi-hundred-dollar chair that someone who values sitting in. Because... <laughs> I know someone who bought a $500 chair, which I would never do, but having a free market and a standardized currency, they value that differently. And so with the currency that we all value the same, the higher perceived value, they don't mind spending that extra money on it when you and I would be like, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. It makes sense. I don't know. I probably should have thought a bit more into this episode, but I, I think that you did an excellent job of of boosting it up, personally. I, I did my best. I think you succeeded, sir. 
Uh, it was a pleasure. Do you have any closing remarks before I close this out? We're right at an hour here. Uh, am I just going to... Should I consider myself the regular co-host from now on? I mean, if you want. If you want. I've been thinking, <laughs> I've been thinking about a co-host. Um, you, as, as you know, you do have an open invite to come back on. But I've been thinking about getting a co-host. I'm still kind of trying to figure this whole podcasting thing out. But um, how's how's it been? How's it been going? It's more, actually more views every episode. Yeah, it's uh, it is. I would say pretty steady. The older episodes with people have more um, have more listens. Um, so I guess it's almost declining. But we're seeing an overall rate, if that makes sense, of in, like increase. So like your episode has less than Tanner's, which has less than Steven's, or whichever one came before. But overall, they all are consistently rising. So like this episode will have less than the last one, but overall they're going to end up, you know, that might just be a time rising. thing. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, the older episodes have had longer to be listened to. If that makes I sense. See. But yeah, so far they're doing good. We're up to um, 222 total plays over the course of the podcast, which I'm pretty happy Not with. too bad. Not too bad. I did not think that we'd ever get there when I started this, and I'm happy that we're still going. Episode 13 with Nico. Nico, maybe you'll be a co-host. We'll see what happens. But, uh... Until then, ladies and gentlemen, keep it classy. Uh, I don't know. Think about what's going on in your life and don't be afraid to talk about it with a near and dear friend over a microphone. Uh, as always, cheers and God bless.